Grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and from the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. I don't know if you've ever had to learn a new language, but it's not easy. And there was a new missionary who was learning to be a missionary, who was going to go to Venezuela, um, and had just kind of started to learn the language, and it was recommended they do a language immersion. That's the way you learn the fastest, by necessity. And the missionary uh, went and visited one of the local churches, but still was admittedly not good at the language. So he didn't want to embarrass himself. So he decided that what he was going to do is find somebody in the congregation and just do what that person did. And he should be all right. And that's what he did. He chose the man next to him and just did what the man did. So when he would sing, he would not really be able to sing, but he'd at least hum the tune. When the man would fold his hands and pray, he would fold his hands and pray. When the man would stand up, he would stand up. When the man would sit down, he would sit down. You get the idea. He would just look at the man next to him because he really didn't understand that much of the language yet. So after the service and the benediction, he recognized that the pastor was moving on to the announcements. And he gave several announcements. And finally, uh, he gives an announcement and the whole congregation just erupts. I mean, just erupts in, in a round of applause. And he looks over at the man and the man's clapping. So he claps too. And then the man stands up and he stands up too. Suddenly, a hush fell over the congregation. Some people gasped. Others looked absolutely confused as to what was going on. And the missionary looked around and saw that no one else except the man that he was sitting next to had stood, so he sat back down. And after the service ended, the pastor greeted the missionary and said in English, I take it that you don't speak Spanish very well. And he said, oh my goodness, was it that obvious? And the pastor said, yes. I announced that the Acosta family had just had a newborn baby boy. The mother's still in the hospital. But I asked the proud father to stand up. Right? <laughs> now, I tell you that to tell you this. My wife makes fun of me when I say that. I tell you that to tell you this. So goes with following the crowd. Following the crowd sometimes is fine, but sometimes it's not a good idea. And it wasn't a good idea for Jeremiah. In the Old Testament text for today from Jeremiah 15, you know the historical narrative. Jeremiah had faithfully shared God's word and faithfully lived God's word. But, there is a but. He faces ridicule and he faces rejection and he faces reproach from most of the people around him because of it. And it wears on him like it would do anyone. It wears on him. So the weeping prophet takes his lament to God and wonders if it's all for naught. And his lament is... It's very sad. Why is my pain unceasing, right, constantly? My wound is incurable, refusing to be healed. Will you be to me like a deceitful brook that waters that fail? So like God is kind of a mirage, right? You're hoping for something good, but you get there and there's nothing there. 
And I think when we bear reproach and ridicule and rejection, our, our life mirrors uh, Jeremiah's to some degree. When we believe God's word, when we live God's word, maybe even share God's word like Jeremiah did, we might think, hey, there's something wrong here because the world is reacting so harshly to it. So to avoid making a fool of ourselves... Maybe we go along to get along. Maybe we even get lonely like Jeremiah did. But the prophet, along with us, knows as God's regenerated people the goodness, the goodness of God's word. And so Jeremiah also had said this. Your words were found and I ate them. Right? It's food that warms the heart and the soul. Your words were found and I ate them and your words became a joy and the delight of my heart. For I am called by your name, O Lord of armies, Lord of hosts, uh, God Almighty. But even when we realize, even when you and I realize the value of law and gospel in speaking to the human condition, sometimes, Our own sinful nature wants to embrace immediate comfort at the expense of long-term ramifications. So what do I mean by that? I know that's a lot of just gobbledygook. We don't want ridicule and rejection and reproach in our lives. Who does? Who does? So we ourselves might step back from God's word and might even ourselves begin like Jeremiah to wonder if it's off or not. But here's what God gives Jeremiah. There's a lot of, of, of support and a lot of encouragement from God. There's nothing wrong with God's word. What is wrong lies within the ungenerated human heart, which values slavery to sin instead of liberation from it, right? I'm going to do what I want to do, and they don't see that as addiction to certain things, right? Whoever sins is a slave to sin. And even God's people can presume that sin is inconsequential and even okay because of the grace of God. Well, I'm forgiven anyway. It's not okay. It's precisely this attitude that causes him to give Jeremiah some pretty harsh words to his people. You didn't hear them today, but I'll share just a few of them. And here's what Yahweh says, because this is kind of the thing. Well, we just God's going to forgive us anyway. Right? So it doesn't matter. Who will have pity on you, Jerusalem? Who will grieve for you? Who will turn aside to ask about your welfare? And the expected answer to that is no one. Why? You have rejected me, declares the Lord. You keep going backward. So I have stretched out my hand against you and destroyed you. I am weary of relenting. And we would say, boy, that's not some kind of God that I want to know. Right? That's what the unregenerate human heart says. So we have to ask the question, why? Why does God talk like this? Why does God resort to such extreme measures? And the answer might be surprising for you. God does it out of love. Care and concern with his people's eternal welfare in mind. 
God takes this approach because despite... This isn't the first time he's, he's spoken. Not by a long shot. Right? Despite warning after warning, rebuke after rebuke, his people still would not heed his word. So out of love... God continues to speak law and pretty severe law to stubborn, sinful hearts with the hope that, with the result that, out of love for, that they would return and turn toward him and away from their sin. And this is good for you to know, it's good for me to know, it's good for Jeremiah to know. That the dialogue between Jeremiah and Yahweh lets us in on a, on a fundamental truth. And that is that even in speaking law, God has a noble, loving purpose. But for those who speak it, for those who live it, for those who share it, it might come with some resistance. And it might wear us down a little bit. It did Jeremiah. Listen to again to his language. Woe is me, my mother, that you bore me. In other words, I wish I never would have been born. Why? Because I'm a man of strife and contention to the whole land. I have not lent, I have not borrowed, yet all of them curse me. I am so thankful for this next sentence. The Lord said to Jeremiah, Have I not set you free for their good? Have I not liberated and called you out of sin for their good? The good of those who are around you. Jeremiah 15, 10 and 11. I want you to consider for a moment that God has set you free for your good. And for the good of those around you. We might want to fool. Jeremiah certainly sounds like he does. But the Lord will call us back. The word of the Lord will prevail. And thus Jeremiah will prevail. The word of the Lord will prevail. And thus we will prevail. So the Lord calls Jeremiah back. If you return. Because here's where he's at. He's like, I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm done. I'm done. The Lord calls him back. If you return, and if you utter what is precious, in other words, God's word, rather than what is worthless, not God's word, you shall be as my mouth. They shall turn to you, but you shall not turn to them. Right? The Lord's word will prevail. It's not going to be easy. They shall turn to you, but you shall not turn to them. And I will make you to this people a fortified wall of bronze, immovable, steadfast. They will fight against you, but they shall not prevail over you. That's good news to hear. That you're not alone. That Yahweh assures Jeremiah and Yahweh assures you 
that when we believe God's word, when we live God's word, when we share God's word, that word is precious. It is not worthless to those around us. Not for us, not for those around us. And even though Jeremiah feels overmatched, and in many regards he is, evil will not win the day. Because God in his forbearance and his mercy will not forsake those who receive that word by the Holy Spirit's power. And he gives Jeremiah this wonderful, glorious promise which anticipates Christ's cross as we heard in the beginning of our service. I am with you, says the Lord, to save you and deliver you. And I will deliver you out of the hand of the wicked and redeem you from the grasp of the ruthless. Last week we talked about Peter's confession of Jesus as the Christ, the Son of the living God. And we said we've got to unpack that because it means quite a lot. But basically what we said is uh, Peter is acknowledging Jesus' divinity, but he's also acknowledging his special status as one set apart by God, um, as one from the Old Testament, prophet, priest, and king. Jesus is all three. And an anointed one is is someone who is sent for a very specific purpose. And now Jesus reveals for the first time to his disciples what that looks like. What is that purpose? And here's what he tells them, that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. Imagine hearing that for the first time. You've heard it many times. Imagine hearing that for the first time. You're like, this is nuts. Why would God do this to... to, to, Why? It doesn't make sense. It does. It's for your good. Jesus comes as true man to be that perfect substitute for you. Like you in every way, yet without sinning. Faced temptations just like you did. In fact, faced higher temptations than you did. But without sinning comes as a man so that he could taste death for you. But also comes as God in the flesh. Comes as God in the flesh so he would be a sufficient sacrifice for your sin and for my sin, for our death. And he comes so that he might rise in victory and in power. In my nearly 20 years of writing sermons, um, I'm going to do a first today, okay? And I'm going to quote Rocky Balboa. Never done it before, right? Yes, the Sylvester Stallone Rocky Balboa. Yeah, Rocky, I'm not pulling a bait and switch. I'm serious. I keep thinking about this quote. You, me, or nobody is going to hit as hard as life. That's not true. That's not true. It's it's somewhat true. You, me, or nobody is going to hit as hard as life. 
Sin hits harder. Death hits harder. Physical death and spiritual death. Great soundbite for a movie, not so great for theology. Life is hard, yes, but it's because we live in a sinful, fallen, broken world. But death hits harder. Sin hits harder. And yet Jesus, out of love for you and for me, doesn't make things comfortable for himself. He instead tells his disciples, and he's going to do what he says. He's going to go to Jerusalem. He's going to be rejected. He's going to bear reproach. He's going to bear all the things that Jeremiah did, but worse. Jesus got hit harder than anyone ever. Harder hit than Jeremiah. Harder hit than Rocky. Harder hit than me. Harder hit than you. Hit after hit. Blow after blow. Jab after jab. With the purpose of taking the sin of the entire world upon himself and all its power upon himself, taking the full fury of separation from the Father on himself to rise again in victory and in power to break the power of sin, death, and hell for you. He did it for your good. Now, Rocky also says something else, right? I didn't, know, I didn't quote him just once but twice. So here's what he says. It ain't about how hard you can hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and moving forward. Okay, all right, yeah. I I suppose you could say that that's the life of a Christian, right? We're not supposed to revile or return evil for evil. We're supposed to continue on and show resilience, and Jesus certainly did that. Again, great for a soundbite for a movie, but it doesn't fit our Lord's, uh, today's text, and especially the gospel text. So let me explain. Our Lord has the words of eternal life. He is the word of eternal life. And His word speaks to us in all spheres of life. And His words sometimes hit hard. Imagine Peter thinking he's noble, saying, This shall never happen to you, Lord. And Jesus has a hard word for him. Hard words. Get behind me, Satan. How those words must have hit. But why does he call him that? Because Peter has in mind the things of man, not the things of God. That's us oftentimes. We have in mind the things of man, not the things of God. Please hear this. Please. Christ's words, even the really hard ones, are given in love to you and for you to call you out of sin and death and into righteousness and life in him. Jesus comes as God's plan in response to our sin, as God's word with skin on, God's love with skin on. And he's here To help us to know and believe in the things of God rather than the things of man. But the word hits hard sometimes. Because Christ came to knock out your old Adam. To knock out your sinful nature. Not with a physical blow, but through the spirit-laden power of the word. So that we are not comfortable 
with the things of man in terms of the sinful nature, but instead the things of God and turn to live a new life in the power of the Spirit through the gospel's power. I guess the lesson that is to be learned, if any, from the beginning story is you don't follow the guy next to you unless it's Jesus. Because of Jesus, sin and death does not win the day. Evil does not win the day. In Jesus, we see the fulfillment of the promise made to Jeremiah and the promise made to us for our good. I am with you to save you and deliver you, declares the Lord. I will deliver you out of the hand of the wicked, and I will redeem you from the grasp of the ruthless. Amen. I may the peace which surpasses all human understanding guard your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.